0: On and listen to Crazy Train radio. What up?
1: Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh no! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes.
0: Good
2: evening, a <laughs> With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business.
0: That's the fact! that!
2: Yeah. Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536.
1: That's what I'm talking about.
0: Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right, I need help! E-methamine lets you get gacked up on whooped chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh yeah! Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my.
1: Jason Kendall, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.
2: The book is Throwback. A a big league catcher tells how the game is really played. The author, Jason Kendall. Jason, what's going on, man?
1: Thanks
2: for having me, man. I appreciate it. This is kind of hanging out good uh and i i hope this is cool with you i think i may have to debunk something though uh based on something you mentioned early on in the book uh and you when you're talking about yourself uh specifically you were talking about uh doing i think it was doing the autograph fan section about your personality being a miserable person uh it has nothing to do with autographs but uh for those because we're honest with our fans and Jason said he was miserable, but yet we were having phone problems yesterday, so we reached out to Jason, told him what was going on, and he was nothing but laid back and super cool. So
1: I don't know so, if there's so, a reason. Okay, so, or- what I, I say miserable, I, heck, I haven't even read it, but uh, that's all least fault, whatever you put in there. So, I, I have nothing to be miserable about. I have uh, two beautiful kids, and all is good. Yeah,
2: well, like, you know, when you... I think you were talking about being serious when going to work and all that stuff, but you know, I got to be honest. Jason was nothing but cool when we said, "Hey," he goes, "Hey, it is what it is. Let me know what's up." So, well, we're glad yeah. to have you anyway.
1: Well, no, that's but how's the
2: Well, how's the response for the book
1: been so far? You know what? I honestly, I, I don't really know. Um, you know the team. I still work with the Royals. We'll or anything? So I'll, I'll um, I'll I'll do so. I'm sorry. Say
2: that again. I said, I guess, Lee, your co-author, anybody else that really reach out to you and say, oh,
1: hey, well, you We're reading know, books, but uh you know, baseball books. You know what it is? is, is, is it's just um, baseball is so intriguing, and it could be such a boring game if you don't really know what's going on. I mean, everybody wants to see the whole oh, okay. thing. Through six. Yeah, I think we have a bad connection right now. I'm sorry.
2: All right, try this again. Now, round two, since we have uh, we have Jason Kendall on, as we said, the book is throwback and all, and the first question we were asking you was uh, how the response has been for the book, uh, and that's when you started breaking up there.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think it's going pretty good. Uh, Lee was telling me that it was you know, one of the top ten baseball books. I don't know if that's the case or not. I haven't really checked it out, but, um, you know, I have a couple more things to do this week, and um you know what we tried to do is we just tried to make a baseball book it's not about me or it's kind of what i saw through my eyes you know uh, baseball is such an intriguing game but it can be boring if you it's the greatest game ever but it could be boring if you don't know what's going on i mean there is a game within a game on every pitch whether it be from the positioning of the outfielders uh trying to hold a runner on or little things that um go on through and it's such an it's so intense out there it's amazing so i think what we tried to do is is if If you're going to the ballpark with your family or if you're just sitting at home uh, watching it on TV, little things just to to make it more enjoyable because it is the greatest game uh, there is, and it's it's so much fun.
2: Well, and I was going to say that as well, the game within the game, but uh, I guess you had a unique experience growing up with a major league ball player yourself. Uh, Was there any lessons that your father was able to instill in you as you were, hey, you know what, my kid's pretty good. Hey, my kids in the minors, you know, and as you advanced.
1: You know, and I was very fortunate to um have a, a father who played in the big leagues for twelve years. Uh I I got to watch those guys play, you know, kinda that era where well, they were playing for a contract from the following year. They they were, you know, coming home in the offseason and, and working, you know, two jobs just to, to support their family. But so but they I mean they're they're breaking up double plays. They're they're running over catchers. So I was very fortunate growing up in that era and I took that from You know my my father and those guys who played in that time, so uh, I definitely had an advantage. And I think if you ask any um, son now of a a former that has a father that's a former big leaguer, they'll say the same exact thing.
2: Well, uh, you know that leads to an interesting question for me. I wasn't thinking of offhand uh, that you say that Uh, between like generational there Uh, was was there any jealousy from say like. Your father, or your father's gener, or people within your father's generation of say yours, where the money, at personal income, had changed to where you don't have to work a second job in the off season or anything like that.
1: I mean, I, my, I can't speak for uh, you know, a lot of people, but th- no, not for my father. Uh, these guys went through uh, at least three strikes to, for players today to get the money. That we we're getting, and I'll be the first one to say it. it's, it's ridiculous. It's a lot of money to, to play a game and, uh, that you play your whole life. But um, I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm not going to say no. But you know, that all being said, is, is the players today. You should definitely appreciate the, the things that players in the past have um, done as far as going through those strikes. And I mean, it's the, one of the most powerful unions in the world. It, it's because of those guys that went through those strikes to, to get what players are getting today.
2: Yeah, exactly, and you saw a lot of that firsthand, like you said, with everything that your father dealt with, the strikes and the, you know, all season working and just the whole picture. However, uh, as far as you're concerned, uh, what do you think was probably the biggest thing you wanted to talk about in the book? Because you talk about different situations and, like, the process of what you the game within the game that you were thinking about. Like, you break it down, you talk about, about your position as the catcher than the pitchers you're working with and, like, the daily routines. Is there any one thing that a player who might – the young player that might read the book out, you're not, I might be able to use
1: that? No, you know what, it, it, there's, I, I can't really pinpoint just one thing uh, with the exception of having fun. I mean, it, today a lot of these – and I'm coaching Little League now, and, you know, it, it's a lot of work that, that goes in from um, the time you get into professional baseball until it's one thing to get to the big leagues, but it's another thing to stay. For for a long time, and you know, I'm doing the little league thing with my my son now, and some of these guys, uh, some of these other coaches just push, 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 push. Let these kids have fun. And even today in the big leagues, you got to have fun. I mean, obviously there's a little more. uh, You know, you got people, you got 30 people, 30,000 in the stands, and and you know, it's it's definitely more intense, but. It's still a game, and you still have to have fun. If you lose that part of it, that fun part, that same game that you play in, you know, in the backyard when you're six, seven years old, wiffle ball, the seventh game of the World Series, two out, if you lose that, then it's not going to be fun. So, I mean, I think one of the main things that I wanted to, to do was people to understand the game a little more as far as what is going on out there through every pitch, but, you know, for the younger kids, just have fun because it is a game. and not everybody's going to be the next uh, Derek Jeter or Mia Hamm or Wade Gretzky, but let the kids have fun.
2: Well, uh, speaking yeah. of uh, coaching league, before we get back to you uh, in a minute here, uh, do you feel with your son, uh, because I read another former uh, son of a big leader, Cal Ripken Jr.'s, one of his books, where he talks about uh, being a parent himself and his kids playing sports. You notice with your son uh that there's some extra pressure for him as far as level league go. Oh, oh well. His father was okay. a big leader. That's a good no, thing. He,
1: I I don't think my son even i and he knows he grew up being around Clubhouse and kinda like I did, but he just has fun doing it. I'm I'm dad to him. I mean he he goes and sees other guys and whoa there's you know, there, there's I'm just dad. There's Alex Gordon or there's you know, whoever and so it, it's neat to see, but he just has fun. And, and I think just as a uh, – what I got from my parents, because that's how my parents were with me. They didn't push me, hey, if you want to play baseball, go play. Well, that's what I wanted to do. That's how I grew up. I grew up with a ball in my hand. So I was very fortunate to get the opportunity to do that. But, no, I I, I let my kids be kids and have fun.
2: Well, what about some, like, more sort of pressures from, like, other parents, like, looking at him, like,
1: Oh yeah. that's to that, go yeah, that's going to go everywhere, but I don't even think he pays attention you know i I see it, and you know what, but it's we just we go out and we have fun. that's the bottom line is he, he's enjoying it and uh enjoying it is uh, the most important part
2: well, you know, obviously, your career had ended up you know because of an injury to your shoulder, and then you obviously had the infamous uh breaking the ankle in Pittsburgh and all how are you feeling physically? Now.
1: physically i i feel great I, I took care of myself and i always did and i always will um if i could throw because i had so much fun playing i i would still be trying to uh play right now i just i physically can't throw anymore and i'd rather uh, be able to play catch with my kids and uh you know pick them up and watch them uh live and and have a, a great life as opposed to having a bionic shoulder where i can't pick up so Body-wise, I'm great. I'm, I, I was one of the um, me. There's about three guys that myself, Lieberthal, and Brad Osmus who kind of broke the, the the mold a little bit as far as having a smaller catcher, not the Engelberg-type catcher with the you know, the Snickers hanging out the back pocket. But we were you got to be a little bit more athletic nowadays to to do that. And um, I think we kind of broke the mold in that a little bit just because we were we were you know not the big catchers. Uh, so physically, knees, legs, are they're, they're fine but um, just shoulder, it doesn't work anymore.
2: Yeah, because obviously the catcher, I think most people realize it to a little bit, but catcher seems to be the most, I guess, demanding position on the field because, you, you know, like you're saying, you're up, down, you're throwing at second base. You're, you know, there's just so many little mechanics that maybe you may not realize. You probably pick up when you read this book, but just in general, there's so many little things that, Many people won't think about.
1: No, absolutely. You know? I mean, you definitely get beat up, and you're definitely kind of the quarterback on the field because you're the only uh, you're at the only position where you can see everything that's going on. That being said, the most demanding uh, spot on the on a baseball field is definitely the, the pitcher's mound. I mean, these guys go max effort every pitch, and that's why you have five starters. I mean, it's every you need those four days in between to to recover. And, um, it's max. Effort every pitch. I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. But uh, you know, you definitely get beat up as a catcher, probably more so than anybody. But you know, you can't you can't get beat up if you don't have somebody on the mound throwing the ball. Exactly. Uh, uh,
2: Well, it's obvious to you're not the first catcher to have mentioned it. You you mentioned it in the book uh, uh, about calling games and you know working with the different pitchers. Uh, Would you say? the catcher in general is also like that on-field captain or whatever kind of leading the charge.
1: Without a doubt. And, you know, it's, and I, once again, getting back to my father, I had an advantage of, you know, picking my father's brain. And it still took me a good four or five years to figure out how to call a game in the big leagues, watch the hands, watch the feet. Is he up in the box, back in the box? Is he hot? What is is he for his last 10? What, What counts did he hit those pitches in? Whoever may be coming in. Um, it, because at the end of the day, you don't want your pitcher thinking. You want to go out, put the, number, the fingers down, and let him throw. And there's nothing more amazing when you get a, the pitcher and the catcher on the same, uh, the same wavelength. And it, it's, just, it's a quick game, and it, it's fun. It's, that's one of the games within the game that, um, you know, we do speak about in, in the book. But it is, uh, it, it's an art, and there's two things that are easy to do in baseball. One is hustle, and the other one is to be prepared. And well, uh, the, that's the only thing that is easy to do. Yes.
2: As far as, you know, not wanting a pitcher to think and all that, uh, for you personally, how did you handle trying to learn a pitcher? Was it something you guys worked out uh, through spring training and throughout the season? Or was it Definitely. just conversations you guys had? What was it?
1: All, all of Between those lines, from spring training to to, to speaking. And, and you got to uh, learn the different personalities. There's some guys you need to, you know, pat on the button. There's some guys you need to kick in the butt. So you've got to learn those personalities. And once you get that trust as a catcher from, from your pitching staff, it makes everything so much easier because they know that they come in, whether they're from the bullpen, whether they're from, you know, whether they're one of the starting five, as soon as they toe the rubber, they know that they don't have to think. They know that I've already done my work, I'm already prepared, and I know what to do and when to do it. And it's just – so you definitely have to get that relationship, though.
2: Well, when you're uh... – Getting that relationship, or you, you in particular, and you talk about it in the book as well. Uh, when you would go in and watch video, or you would, you know, try to see the scouting reports or any of that. Do you usually do that by yourself, or will you want to do it with the pitchers, say, an upcoming series to say, all right, to see what you guys are looking for as far yeah, as hitters?
1: Before every team comes in, every new, the first game of the series, you have a team meeting, uh, pitchers and catchers, and, and you go over the porch. I always was at the ballpark. You know, I think one thing in the biggest is you have to have a routine. And uh, my routine was getting there, you know, by 1 o'clock. It wasn't just showing up at 6 o'clock to play a 7 o'clock game. But I would have a routine. I'd go in the video room. I'd get all my uh, work done, and I would actually go and I'd run the meetings for for most of the teams that I played for and let these guys know, uh, you know, hey, I got it. But at the same time, let them know the situations, the, the counts, the, the what do you throw in situations. So, we, everybody's definitely prepared for the first, you know, the, before that first game of the series, and then uh, you usually do the same thing. Most teams do the same thing uh, every first time you play a team, in different series.
2: So, you know, and obviously you were around the league, and you're 15 years in the big leagues at least. 16 is when you got hurt and all. Uh, so you got to know, I guess, everybody pretty well as far as hitters, pitchers, guys, just the whole gamut of things. Uh, was there any particular pitcher that you got to really work with and go, wow, I, this is going to be an easy day in the office as far as between me and him, hopefully?
1: You know what, there's a lot of different guys. I mean, I can't really pinpoint one person. I um, I was like, once again, I was fortunate to, to uh, be able to play with a lot of great pitchers. But it does anything can happen on a baseball field on any day. You can have, you know, the hottest team come in that uh, – you know, they're 10-0, but it doesn't matter. Anything that that day, start of a new day, anything can happen. So um, you might have your good stuff that day. You might have your bad stuff that day. But anything can happen on a, on a baseball field uh, when the, after the first pitch is thrown.
2: Well, I know we had a lot of guys, uh, yeah, certain guys we've talked to off-air and we're going to be talking to on-air in this particular episode. Uh, Picture-wise, I know by the biggest compliment that we heard them say, uh, about was, hey, I, like this, I liked pitching for this particular catcher, or, you know, having that request because of that unique bond, which I always found interesting because they, like you said, you, they knew you guys did the work on your end, and what you needed to do. Did anybody really like requesting you that you could think of offhand, saying, hey, we want Jason? Well,
1: you, you know, I mean, a, a lot of guys did, but, you know, when I was, uh, I also played a lot of – I played 140 games, you know, numerous times. So I was out there every day. Um, And it all goes back to that relationship. You develop it. Like I said, guys are kicking the butt, guys pounding the butt. And you figure each other – I mean, you're with these guys more than you are your own family. It's an eight-month – I say eight months because of spring training. Um, But – so you get to know these guys. And what do they have when when they don't have their best stuff? What can you do? And and once you get that trust, it, it makes everything a lot easier.
2: Well, uh, the one thing that we've been talking about, which I guess will be my last baseball question for you, is locker room etiquette. How much would you say it changed throughout your career, such as coming from the minors into the majors? Was there a big change, and how did you go about learning that? Was it something you picked, picked your father's brain for, or is it just shut up and listen and look as you moved along? No,
1: well, basically, your and in, in times do change, and you have to learn to to change with times. And you know, when I was a rookie, I <laughs> kept my I, I didn't speak until I was spoken to. And, you, know, you just kind of get in there and you keep your uh, your mouth shut and and uh, go about your own business. But you know, times do change, and and it is what it is, and you have to change with the times. But uh, th- that's what you have veteran players for. They kind of uh, teach you throughout the 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 process of your career to, to you you uh, Tutor some, you know, another younger player. So that's kind of how it goes. But you, there definitely is etiquette and the the right ways uh, to do things. And if you know, some does some a kid comes up and does something the wrong way, he might not even know he's doing it. And that's what a veteran player is supposed to do: is kind of you know lead them on the right path.
2: Well, did you try to make it a point when you became a veteran and time went along that you said that if, if you notice that they did something wrong or good or bad, Absolutely. to say hey, hey, you're doing the right thing. And you're hey, whatever.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I would never, uh, just, you know, one-on-one, hey, man, this is, you know, run the ball out or it's just the right way to do things. So uh, 100% yes, and, you know, that's what the – once you get to that, you know, to that point where you have, you know, 9, 10, 11 years in the big leagues, it's, it's kind of a, a unwritten rule dash job that you're supposed to teach these guys to do things the right way, and then it just kind of carries on from generation to generation. Well, Jason
2: – uh do you have any – do you know if you have – are you going out on the road to do book signings, anything like that coming you up I, that you know of?
1: I, I've done a couple out here in Kansas, and um, I think we've, you know, done some interviews. And probably won't be one on the road because i got some Little League and gymnastics and all those other uh, cool things that dads get to do. Well, you know,
2: I, which I guess I leads to one more question. I'm sorry. Uh, when you were still an active player, uh, how hard was that for you to be, I guess, especially during the year? to, on a day, rare day off or whatever the case may be, to, hey, you know, I need to go to Seven Eleven 11 and get a thing of milk, or I want to take my kids to the movies, or, you know, just try to live a normal civilian life for you.
1: You know what, it, it was very easy. I mean, it depends on where you played. Um, but, I mean, if you go, if you're out there with your kids, you're just, you're just doing the same thing. That's one thing that people don't realize about baseball players. Just because we're, they're, they're on TV and, you know, they have the name played on the back and, you know, we're just like everybody else, put the pants on the same way. And um, so it's never been difficult for me just because I don't – when I'm at the ballpark, that's my job. I'm locked in and focused on what I got to do that day to help the team win. And when I'm at home, I'm, I'm, I'm dead and uh, just want to hang out and do what everybody else does.
2: Okay. Well, Jason, uh, thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, the book is Throw Out. It's It's a book through St. Martin's. Make sure you go out and get it. Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, all those fancy bookstores that I don't know how to read from. So, bring use on that wacky internet. Well, thank you very much for
1: having me. I greatly appreciate it.
0: Thinking your day is bad, and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope want to jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting now that's what I call depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in cell block 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open... Christ's shit. Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that'd rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon, farthing in the USA. For those who place their order, by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a loose of good quality that won't snap, An installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in the full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS.
1: Learn more about the Zenith difference at Zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H dot
2: Hi, this is Jamie Moyer, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.